you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning, Ninth Avenue. So good to have you with us here on our uh, online worship service. So glad that we can be together in spirit as we sing praises to God, as we commune around uh, the table and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Uh, and I appreciate the words that were shared uh, around the table this morning and just, and just remembering the fact that Jesus is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of us being uh, mindful of that sacrifice. And today we're going to look at a passage that kind of sets up in many ways that, that moment of sacrifice. It's, it's kind of Jesus' last moment by himself. It's his time that he really goes to God and he goes to uh, God in prayer in a way that he has not, or maybe that he has, but in a way that we haven't seen him pray before throughout his uh, uh, story within scripture. So we go to the Mount of Olives. This is the last mountain that we'll join uh, two together in our study of mountaintop experiences. One of the things that I have learned, though, over and over through these lessons, and maybe this is for me and hopefully for you, something that you can gain from these lessons as, as an entirety is that the mountaintop is where we experience some of the most um, prolific worship to God. It is, it is a place where, where people go and they're filled. It is a place where people go and they are prayed. It is a place where people go and they are in the presence of God himself. And, and so in our own lives, we need to be striving to create and take part of those mountaintop experiences so that we can be filled in worship, so that we can be filled by the power of God, so that we can be filled with the Spirit of God and the direction of Jesus. And today, what we're going to talk about and what we're going to look at is how Jesus how Jesus prayed in the garden on the top of this mountain. And as you think about the story, as the story's already been read, we're going to look at different parts of it in, in just little sections. But this whole story kind of carries this idea of going deeper or going further in. Going further into a place of prayer and concentration on God. He, he, he takes all of his disciples to a point, and then he takes his three closest friends a little bit further, and then Jesus himself goes further into the garden, and he falls to his knees, and he begins to pray. One of the themes that is going to carry us into 2021 with our, our lessons, and it's going to look at, uh, and it's going to look different at different times. Sometimes it's going to be Sunday morning things. Sometimes it may be some Wednesday night devotionals. But prayer is going to be a theme of ours moving into the new year. Prayer is going to be a big theme of ours moving into the new year because as we find ourselves in, in the middle of this pandemic, and, and maybe, hopefully, we find ourselves closer to the end of the pandemic than, than we have been, we're going to have to be thinking about what does, what does Ninth Avenue look like post-COVID-19? We understand what it looks like in the middle of it. It, it means 18 weeks. That's over a third of our Sundays in 2021 have been like this right here, have been 
on your television screen, on your computer screens, your phone screens. Uh, there's, there's six of us in the auditorium this morning. That, that's a challenging dynamic uh, in, in, a, in an empty room to, to preach the Word of God. It's a challenging dynamic to engage as much as you would like to in your, in your living room or in your bedroom or at your kitchen table, wherever it might be this morning. It's been a challenge of trying to figure out how we continue to, to fellowship in some way. Even when we come together, it doesn't feel normal. And, and so as we understand really what, what it feels like now, we look forward to a time where it's going to be different. And we need to be bathing that time in prayer. We need to be praying together, preparing our hearts and our minds and our souls for the time where we are able to let loose the chains of, of this virus and we are able to serve in the kingdom once again in a powerful way together. And so I want us as we go into this new year to be prayerful of that because before the end of the new year, I feel like that time will come, and we need to spiritually be preparing for that. And so as we think about that, I want us to spend time in this passage, and I want us to look at what happens to us as individuals as we go further in prayer. And if we grow this way as individuals, then collectively as a church, we're going to grow this way as well. The first thing that I see in this passage is that when we go further in, when we go further in prayer, when we go and we fall on our knees and we really plug in to a life in a moment of prayer, is we get God's perspective. We get God's perspective. One of the most famous parts of this scripture here is the prayer that Jesus prays where he says, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup pass from me. From Jesus' perspective, he knew what was in front of him. He knew the, the beating he was about to receive. He knew uh, the, the, what the, the crucifixion was going to consist of. He knew that that was going to be painful. He knew that that was going to be a gruesome, painful death. He knew that death was at the end of that moment. And he knew, he knew it so well that he even told his disciples about it. And he said, this is what you can expect when we go into Jerusalem. Jesus' perspective was, hey, I know what's going to happen in a physical way. I mean, he understood the spiritual as well. He understood what the cost was and why he had to do that. But the physical had become so overwhelming that he goes to God and he says, God, he says, Dad, if there's any way to do this a different way, Let's, let's, let's come up with it now. Because from my perspective, this is too overwhelming. You know, we have those moments, don't we? We have those moments where life and our perspective is just so hard. And it's so challenging. And it doesn't completely make sense. I have a, a fancy... Uh, phrase that I use for those moments, and it's called the under-the-blanket theory. The under-the-blanket theory. My grandmother, Ballantyne, used to hand-stitch embroideries onto blankets, and in her bedroom, she always had one in a hoop, 
and the hoop was rather large, and you could get under you could get under it and hide. So when we would play hide and go seek in the house, that was a place that we would go hide. Well, underneath the blanket where she's doing this hand stitching, when you're underneath the blanket looking up at the blanket, what do you see? You just see a bunch of randomness. You see a bunch of string and a bunch of thread just kind of hanging here and hanging there. And you see maybe a little bit of an image over here and a little bit of an image over here, but it doesn't look complete or connected from the bottom side. Many times in our life, or all the times really in our life, when we look up to God to say, God, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, we are looking at the underside of the blanket. We see God working a little bit over here. We see God working a little bit over here. We see some blessings happening in this corner. We see some struggles going on over here and we don't see how they're connected. We don't see how God may be putting different pieces in a certain place so that this can happen and that can happen. But you see, when you got out from under the blanket and you looked at the top, you looked at the perspective that my grandmother had as she was doing the work, you saw the whole picture. And God's the same way. God's perspective is complete. God's perspective is is perfect. God understands the randomness because to God, it's not random. To God, it is a plan. It is a process. It is something that he is in control of and something that he's trying to make happen. And many times, the only way that we get that perspective is through prayer. And the only time we get that full understanding, well, let me tell you, we're never going to get the full understanding. But there will be times where God says through prayer, okay, let me, let me reveal a little bit more to you so you see a little bit more of the bigger picture. So that you understand what I'm trying to do here. And you'll be going throughout your day and something will happen and it'll click. And you'll understand, okay, that God's trying to show me something here. God's trying to help me make sense of this. But a lot of times, those opportunities only happen when we go to God and talk about them in prayer. You know, if you study the life of David and you study the Psalms, you'll see that, that David, David spends a lot of time in the book of Psalms trying to understand God's perspective. And sometimes at the beginning, Psalms chapter 22 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a psalm that Jesus even echoes as he's hanging on the cross. But in Psalms chapter 22, you see him asking God, where are you? Why are you so far from me? Why, why are you not here? He's trying to understand God's perspective because from his perspective, what's happening? He's just, he's just losing at life. He says, God, help me understand and by the end of this psalm, he's calling God his shield. He's understanding. It's almost like this psalm maybe was even written, maybe not at one time. It's almost written to me anyway as if he has this moment of struggle and then he has some moment of reflection and prayer and then God reveals to him some things and he's able to finish his thoughts of how great and powerful God is. But as we go further, as we go deeper into prayer together, we're going to be able to see more of God's perspective and God's plans for our lives as individuals and for our church family as a whole. So that's the first thing, we get God's perspective. The second thing is we get God's guidance. I love the phrase, if it is possible. If it is possible, if it is your will, God, if it is what you want. Again, David says something very similar 
In uh, Psalms 28 and verse 7, he says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. It's the idea that if God, if you are willing. And so as we go further with Jesus in prayer, we see that God's guidance is there for us. That he's going to lead us in a direction of, of positive service. He's not going to keep us from always having, not, he's not going to always keep us from having difficult times. But if we follow him, he will always follow, we will always lead us rather to a place of service and a place of blessing, even if there's a storm in the middle of it. Let's, let's keep going here. So we have God's guidance. We have God's perspective. One of the things that we have here is we also have God's strength. We have God's strength. A couple of times in Jesus' life, we read this phrase, then the angels appeared and strengthened him. The first we see is at the end of his temptations with Satan. And that comes after what? That comes after 40 days of prayer. One of the things that is very evident about a prayer life, a deep prayer life, is when we spend time in prayer, God fills us up with his strength, with his ability to persevere. Psalm, I'm, yeah, Psalms chapter 18 and verse 32, David writes these words, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. I love, I love that idea. It is God who arms me with strength. You know, I can't completely comprehend and explain the strength of God. I can't look at you and go, hey, well, the strength of God looks like this, and this is how you're going to feel it, and this is what it's going to do for you. But, but what I realize in my own life is many times I understand the strength of God, not necessarily when he's filling me with it, but after I'm finished using it. And it comes in ways, it comes in times when I'm looking at a situation in front of me, and I wonder, how in the world am I going to deal with this? How in the world am I going to overcome this moment? How in the world am I going to face this struggle, this hardship, this illness, this sickness, this, you insert whatever struggle you might have in your life. How am I going to overcome it and get to the other side of it? And then I get to the other side of it and I go, I don't understand how I did that. And that's when you realize you didn't. God did. That's how God's strength works, I believe. God's strength, strength works, I think, in quiet and peaceful and subtle ways. It's not just always an obvious, well, when I think of strength and I think of the Bible, I always think of Samson. It's not just the sudden, hey, now I have the ability to go into battle and, you know, defeat everybody barehanded. Sometimes I get through and I feel like I've only skated by. But I realize it's because of the strength of God. It's because that I have bathed that moment in prayer. It's because that I have approached his throne every opportunity that I had and in every moment that I needed to. And God gave me just enough to overcome, just enough to win the battle. And in those moments when we realize that God's strength has given us those things, it's also so important for us to turn around and give God praise. 
and to let the world know this is not by Matthew, but this is by God that I overcame. Let's look at the next idea together. This is kind of the, the last point, but also maybe to me one of the most important because I've really been trying to figure this out here this week and because it's a word, it's something that I talk about a lot, and we're going to look at a passage that we've looked at a lot together. But the last thing that we get through going deeper in prayer is we get God's peace. We get God's peace. And I believe in this story, you see that happening in the different interactions with Jesus and his disciples. So he takes his, his, his core three up, and then he keeps going. And the passage says that he's overcome Okay, he's overcome with emotion and he just falls down and he starts praying. And, and he's praying and he's talking to God, if this is possible to pass from me, God, let this go away. And then he gets up and he goes back to his three best friends and he had asked them to stay there and what? He asked them to stay there and pray. Go with me and pray, you know. And so he comes back and what have they done? Have they prayed? No, they've fallen asleep. And Jesus rebukes them for that. Jesus is still amped up. Jesus is still emotional. And he says, could you not watch with me for an hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So, so he just takes a moment. He says, you can't even do what I ask. You're my best friends. I need you right now. Jesus is still in, in, in a strange place emotionally. And then he goes and he prays and he's come back. And what have they done again? This time they've, they've gone back to sleep. But I believe you begin to see that peace of God coming over Jesus because instead of rebuking them, this time what does he do? He just turns around and he goes and he prays again. He just lets them sleep. Some people say, well, he's just so frustrated with them. He doesn't even have words. But, but I, think, I think that you're seeing this peace come over Jesus because then the next time he comes to them, he says, hey, guys, it's time to go. He says in Matthew 26, he said, behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. This whole time, this whole time, the stress of being betrayed and being crucified and being beaten was always there. At the beginning of our story, we see Jesus so stressed out by it. We see him overwhelmed by it that he prays and his, and his sweat becomes like blood. He is in agony. He is in spiritual distress. And that, that stress comes out in this conversation with his friends. Have you ever had that time where you're so stressed out that even the conversations with those people that you love the most, they're stressful? And, and you're just so overwhelmed that, that even people that have, have not stressed you out at all become stressful people. Just them saying hi. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, you, you, oh, you want me to go to lunch. Why? So you can talk to me about something? You know, you're just, you're just amped up and you're, you're, you're frustrated. But you see, the peace of God brings us to a place that even though the stressors never leave, we're able to find a way to face them in a positive light. Now, 
One of the things that I've learned this week, and I've tried to dig a little bit deeper into this because one of my favorite passages to teach on, to preach on, to study on, to meditate on comes from Philippians chapter 4. And you know it. You may not know it right now like you think you know it, but as soon as I start it, you're going to know it. It starts and he says, be anxious for, for what? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, in our world, in our society, I think a lot of times we equate peace with the absence of conflict, right? Peace is the absence of conflict. If you don't have conflict, then you obviously have peace. And if you have conflict, then you obviously don't have peace. But as you dig a little bit deeper into this word peace, into the Greek meaning of this word, and that's where I've tried to kind of park myself this week and think about and pray about, it means... Literally, joined together in completion. When all parts are joined together. And this is what Matthew hears. Does the fact, does in the life of Jesus, the conflict was there the whole time, right? The betrayer was coming up the mountain from the first prayer to the second prayer to the third. That never went away. But Jesus found peace. Why? Because he was completely, by the end of this time of prayer, he was completely joined together with God in his purpose. He had completely found the guidance of God. He had completely found the strength of God. And he had completely found the perspective of God. Those three things had joined together in perfect unity God had completed those things in his heart and his spirit so that he knew that he had all of those things. He knew that he had God right there with him, right there by his side, that God the Father, his father, his dad was joined with him. And he could stand up and he could know that even though I'm going to face this difficult moment, I can face it with peace because I'm joined with God. Maybe, maybe our greatest frustration when we think about praying for peace is that what we're looking for is the absence of conflict. God, let this moment pass from me. That's what we want. We want the absence of conflict. And when we don't get the absence of conflict, we look at God, we go, well, God, you said that if I prayed for this, peace would come. Peace has not shown up. What's the deal, God? But you see, what we're really looking for with peace is a new connection, is a complete joining together with God. And I believe that joining comes through the three things we've talked about. 
through understanding his perspective in a greater way, knowing that God is in control, God's got this. I may be under the blanket looking up, seeing the randomness, but God's moving the parts around the way he needs them and he's going to take care of me through this. It's by his guidance. God, I'm gonna follow you wherever that we need to go. It may be right through the middle of that storm, but I know, kind of like we talked about with Moses, as long as Moses was following the back of God, everything was gonna be good. And finally, through his strength of knowing that God has filled me up and I may not be able to overcome this by myself, but I have faith in the fact that God will propel me through this in ways that I cannot understand. So in those moments, because of those things, we find peace. We find the ability to stand up because we know that we are joined together with God in a powerful way. I want us to do something together this week. I know that we've been apart more than we've been together, but I think through being apart, we've learned that being together is not just a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual connection. Paul talks about that. Paul talks about, you know, being with these different churches in spirit. Paul had this connection with them, even though he wasn't there with them physically. And what I want us to do is together, even though we're separated this week, is every night this week, between 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock, I want us to stop. And as a church, I want us to pray. Now, we're not going to pray for the whole hour, obviously, but I want you to take a moment between the hours of 6 and 7 p.m. every day this week, from now through next Saturday, and I want you to just stop and pray. Pray for each other. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our sick. Pray for God's guidance as we look to the future and the end of this challenge and what it looks like to be a post COVID, church family, pray for our young people, pray for our parents, pray for our retirees, just pray for our church between six o'clock and seven o'clock every day this week. As a church family, let's just pray and be unified together and seek the true peace of God as we face these things and these challenges in our life. Let us go to God together in prayer right now. God, we thank you for this moment in the life of Jesus. And I know that it is a difficult moment, a moment of struggle, but maybe a moment that many of us can really relate to because we understand what it means to be overwhelmed. We understand what it means to be so emotional we can't find words. We know what it means to be so emotional that, that we get frustrated with those that are closest to us, even though they're not part of the problem. But God, help us. Help us to go further. Help us to go deeper. Help us to seek your guidance, to seek your strength, to understand your perspective. And in that moment, God, help us to find true peace to be joined together with you in that way. God, I know that 
We miss each other. I know that these are challenging times, and I know, God, that you're going to see us through this. You're going to walk to the end of this road with us, and then you're going to keep going with us if we'll just stay with you. Help us and lead us and guide us, God. Forgive us when we fail you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his willingness to seek, to, to, to not, to, not to just seek, but to follow your guidance all the way to the cross where he endured so much pain and agony, but he did it so that we could find true forgiveness and salvation in his name. Help us to never take that salvation for granted. May we use it as our strength to overcome. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.